Welcome to the Faith Dialogue Podcast with your host, Pastor Ken Baer. Are you ready to swim in the deep end of the Bible pool or climb to the top of Faith Mountain? If so, open the eyes that see, those ears that hear, and a heart that is receptive. Get your cup of coffee and your Bible as we begin. Today, Pat started off with a call to worship out of the book of Revelation, right? Out of the book of Revelation. And I want to let you know there was a reason for that because that was actually what's called the Great White Throne Judgment. The Great White Throne Judgment. It's, it's accounted for everyone to die and after that to, to face the judgment seat. Now, I want to let you know, this is not by my sermon notes, but, but at the same time, there's, there's two judgments. There's two judgments. For those that know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, there's what's called the Bema Seat. The Bema Seat is like going before Caesar or going before a, a local judge. But this is not a judgment whether you're going to heaven or not. Uh, it's really basically to take a look at your work. It's kind of like a performance review. Um, how, have you, how have you been with the money that God has given you, with the blessing that you have? Have you been kind to the poor? Those types of things. And it says that we gain rewards and some of us lose rewards as a result. But our path is directly to heaven because we've been forgiven of all our sins. The judgment that Pat read about is in the book of Revelation. It's called the Great White Throne Judgment. Because everybody that's lived, whether they know Jesus Christ as their Lord or not, whether they've even heard the name Jesus Christ, goes before God. Goes before God as at the final great white throne judgment. And it says the books are open and everything they've done in their life is, is laid before them. Everything before them. And God doesn't grade on a curve. God doesn't, God doesn't grade on a curve. The Bible says that if you've broken any of the commandments, you're guilty of breaking all of them. So that's why it's so important we... While we still have today, while there's still day, we allow people to know about Jesus Christ because all your sins can be forgiven. But that's exactly why I had the verse today because our topic for today, our topic for today is should we judge? Should we judge? We're going to continue into the, um, into the, um, um, uh, the epistle of James. Uh, we're going to be in James chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. And again, our our topic today is should we judge with a question mark on it and hopefully by the end of our message today we'll have a good understanding of whether we should judge or not because many of the verses will tell us that we're not to judge we're not to judge so let me read uh, chapter 4 verses 1 and 2 and then we'll get into our verse I'm going to go ahead and read that first and then we'll give you a little background and kind of catch you up if you haven't been with us the last few weeks so let me go ahead and read these verses and then we'll go from there so verse 11 says this, it says, Do not speak evil of one another. Brethren, he who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and destroy. Who are you to judge another? Pretty frank verse, isn't it? I mean, it's really to the point. Remember last week we talked about being direct. James is very direct. I like being direct. Direct gives us clarity. And over the last few months, as we've been going through the epistle of James, we've seen that James has been very, very direct. Just a few weeks ago, we talked about submitting to God, submitting to God. And that was just the last instruction that James has given us. But if you go back a few weeks, he's told us all kinds of things. He's talked to us about, about being very careful with our tongue. That the tongue is one of these things that we need to have control over because we can either curse 
other people or bless God with the same tongue. We have to be careful with our, with our tongue. You know, James is writing, if you remember, to the 12 tribes that are scattered. James is one of the early leaders of the church. He's actually the brother of Jesus Christ. We would say the half-brother of Jesus Christ because the father of Jesus Christ was none other than the Holy Spirit. But James grew up with Jesus, and after Jesus uh, went to the cross, it says the family came to, and James came to know Jesus as his Savior, as his brother, but as his Savior and as his Lord, and he actually became the first bishop of the church in Jerusalem. And these people that James is writing to are most likely those that were there at Pentecost. Uh, they were then where the Holy Spirit came down and 3,000 were added that one day. Uh, they, were, they were there. Some of them may have even been around and met Jesus personally. Maybe they knew of his ministry actually while he was ministering because this is probably within the first, this is probably 15 to 20 years after Jesus rose from the dead. So it's relatively early. It's one of the earliest epistles. But the church was scattered. And the reason why it was scattered is we read the story of Stephen. Stephen was one of the first deacons of the church, and he was stoned to death. And just a few years after that, Herod decided he was going to take the head off of James, the brother of John. So one of the apostles is killed. And this persecution breaks out in Jerusalem. And as a result, most of the Christians scatter. They scatter and they go into to, uh, Asia and they go into uh, the Middle East, they go into Africa and they get out of Dodge, they get out of Jerusalem, but the apostles stay behind. But James is writing to this early church trying to give them very practical advice. And the practical advice is today he's giving us is about judging. Should we judge? You know, it's interesting, it was only, only uh, a week ago, a week ago Wednesday, uh, that I was called to jury duty. And, and because I was called to jury duty, I had been called actually four times. I, I'd been called twice down in Palm Beach Gardens and then twice here in Osceola. I had my brother Gene fill in our, for our Wednesday class. So if you came to our Wednesday class a week ago, Gene did a great job and filled in for me. But I was sitting with about 40, 50 people in a big room, okay, listening to them talk about what it means to be a juror. Now, I wasn't selected. Now, my wife tells me that she thinks I would be a great juror. You know, I, and I appreciate my wife's confidence in that. For some reason, she thinks I could be objective. She said, you would probably be the foreman. I mean, you would be really good at this. And I've never been selected. And, I, and, I, and I, I'm kind of glad because it's actually a lot of work. And especially when you read, when you listen to what the judge has to say, actually one of the, one of the people in the court tells you what a juror has to do and how impartial they have to do, it's kind of interesting, and it, so, it fits so well in today with our sermon, Should We Judge, that I thought I'd share with you some of the instructions that are given to, to jury pools. So this is what's interesting. The jury pool says this. It says, if selected as a juror, you must decide whether the government has proved beyond a reasonable doubt. You've heard that word before, right? A reasonable doubt, the specific facts necessary to find the defendant guilty of the crimes charged in the indictment. Then it goes on. It says, your decision must be based only, only on the evidence, just the facts, just the facts. Only on the evidence presented here, you must not be influenced in any way by either sympathy or prejudice for or against the defendant or the government. But there's more. It says, you must also follow the law as it is explained by the judge, even if you do not agree with the law. And then finally it says, the indictment or charges against a defendant is not evidence of guilt. The law presumes that every defendant is innocent. 
The, ben, the defendant does not have to prove his or her innocence or produce any evidence at all. The government must prove guilt beyond a reasonable doubt. And if it fails to do so, must find, you must find the defendant not guilty. That's something, isn't it? I mean, when you really listen to that, it sounds a lot kind of what James is saying, right? James is saying, do not judge. Now, in this case, if you're going to judge, here are all the specifics you have to follow in order to be a, a good judge. You know, I, I appreciate my wife's confidence, but listening to that, I wonder, I wonder if any of us really could be a, a, a very good judge. You know, for example, it says that beyond a reasonable doubt, <laughs> beyond, beyond a reasonable doubt, you know, often, I don't know about you, but I'm ready to make up my mind based on what somebody says. You know, if, if somebody just tells me something, often I'm ready to make up my mind right away. I've already decided whether the person is, is guilty or innocent. And then it talks about specific facts. Now, I wonder if specific facts includes what someone says about someone had to say about someone who else who overheard somebody else say something about somebody, right? You know, it's just gossip. But often we take a look at a four-second video on Facebook and we've made up our mind. We've made up our mind, you know, is that police harassment or is that person guilty based on a, on a four-second video? Talks about sympathy or prejudice. You know, we think of sympathy or being sympathetic as a, as a positive virtue, right? If you're sympathetic, means you're, that's a positive type of thing. And we think as uh, prejudice is something negative. But interestingly, in the court, from the court's perspective, both sympathy and prejudice are not good. Neither one of them are good if you want to be a good juror. You have to basically come in with a clean slate. You have to be able to, um, uh, to, be able to decide based on what else has been talked about, the facts that are coming in. You have to be able to decide not based on you're, whether you're sympathetic or not. Now what's interesting, sociologists tell us that all of us as humans have this survival instinct and one of the survival instincts is to be prejudiced about things that we don't know. You see, we have a tendency to like the things that are like us and to be cautious of the things that are not like us. So things that are like us, we appreciate. Those things that are not like us, we are cautious about. We're attracted to those things that are similar and actually threatened by things uh, that are not. We, that would include our nationality, our religion, our age, or even the, the way we, we dress. Okay, So that's, that's one of the things we have to understand, and that's the way we're, we're wired. They're still with the last one, which I think is really the hardest one. It says, you have to follow the law even if we don't agree with the law. <laughs> That's really hard for me. I mean, I, mean I, I think there's occasional stop signs and stop signs that are intentional. I know about you. In, in, my, in my apartment building, they, they put up all the stop signs. Now, it's a brand new apartment building. So they put up stop signs, and sometimes the stop signs are like right next to each other because there's, a, there's, a, there's an aisle coming out this way and an aisle coming out this way, and it's like, come on. You know, it's 5.30 in the morning, I'm going to stop at that stop sign? I don't think so. But, but we're saying, it says to be a good, to be a good juror, 
to be a good juror, even if you don't agree with the law. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been, a, I've been the president and a vice president of, a, of an HOA. Have you done HOAs? Have been, a lot of us have, right? And, and you know, the HOA, pays, they pass some strange laws, don't they? I mean, they, they really do, all kinds of different laws. And what, what the judge is saying is that even if you don't agree with the law, you have to abide by the law and determine whether a person's guilty or not guilty. Um, guilty or not guilty. Um, you notice in your, in your bulletin, uh, um, by the songs, there's always a, a trademark, a copyright, and, and our license. Because we pay a license. That's one of the things you do with the offerings you make. We, we pay a license for all of the songs we use. A lot of them are public domain, but we still pay a license because even the public domain gets something. Something gets somewhere. Um, now, what's interesting is that the, you know the Macarena? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Macarena? So did you, the Girl Scouts were teaching the Macarena okay, to some of their campers, and they got sued for a copyright infringement, and they had to pay, they had to pay royalties to the owner of the copyright, which I think was Del Rio, is the name of the, the group uh, that needs, so they, they had to pay. So again, whether you believe in the law or not, or believe that the law should be enforced, you have to be a good juror, a good judge, you have to be, be able to be completely impartial, impartial. So this gets really close to what James has to say. It really does. Because what James says is this. James says, there is one lawgiver who's able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge another? You know, there's a lot of laws. Like I said, a lot of laws. I mentioned the HOA laws, all the different th types of things. But there's, there's one law and one lawgiver who's able to save and destroy. So we know who that lawgiver is. And that's God, right? God is the lawgiver. God is the one that is the perfect judge. So the, what James is saying is, so who are you to judge? Because you're not the lawgiver. You're not the lawgiver at all. God's law is perfect. And we're so far from perfect for us to try to judge a, another person based on our understanding of God's law. That's the first thing. And then trying to figure out whether that person violated that and what their condition of their heart is, that's very difficult. It, it, it really would be hazardous to our legal health, what, would, what we would call jurisprudence, right? So we read in, in verse 12 what appears to be the conclusion, who are you to, to judge another? That sounds a lot like what Jesus had to say. In, in uh, Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says this. He says, do not judge so that you will not be judged. Have you heard that before? Do you know who tells you that all the time? Non-Christians, right? That's the verse they know. I mean, we know hundreds of verses, right? There's a hundred verses you can pick from at any given time. Non-Christians, non-believers know this verse. And the reason is, is they see us judging. And they say, do not judge. Doesn't your book say, doesn't your Bible say, do not judge? Okay, so they'll catch us when they see us judging. And I think kind of they should. I mean, it's kind of irritating, but at the same time, I think they can because I think, I think they've got it in context correctly. I think the context is, remember, our sermon title today is, Should We Judge? with a big question mark. And the question is, should we judge? And I, we're going to try to answer that question. But if we take a look at the context of some of these verses, we're going to see that often we're told not to judge. So, for example, in, in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Paul says this, he says, Therefore... You are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are to judge, for in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who, for you who judge, practice 
the same things. But we know that the judgment of God is in accordance with truth against those who practice such things. And do you think this, O man, you who judge those practicing such things and doing the same, that you will escape the judgment of God? Now that's Romans chapter 12, Romans chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. If you know the book of Romans, it's in Romans chapter 1 and 2 that we often go to to find the evils of this present age. Because Paul lets it out. I mean, he talks about the evils of this present age. He talks about, in, in chapter 1, he says, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and all unrighteousness, okay? In verse 26 and 27, it hits our, our hot button, right, on homosexuality, because it says, it says, Paul speaks of men and women, but who exchange what is the natural lust natural for lust for each other, men for men and women for women. You see, that's the context of Paul then saying, do not judge. It's in that context, the context of what we consider to be obvious sins, obvious omissions, obviously people that are contrary to where God wants for their lives. And in that context, Paul is saying, do not judge. In, uh, in verse 12 it says, but we know that the judgment of God is according to truth against those who practice such things. And this is why he says, whenever you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. Now, those, that's a difficult verse. It really is. Because right after he's talking about all the evils of the world, he's saying, do not judge and be cautious. And I think the very best example I have or the very best way of explaining this is a parable that Jesus gave. That's why I love the parables. Parables are so practical. And Jesus gives this, practical, this, this, this parable of two people praying in the temple. One of them is a tax collector. Your Bible might say a publican. Okay, that's what a tax collector is. And the other one is a Pharisee. And we know what Jesus usually thought of Pharisees. And, and it goes like this. The Pharisee starts off and he says, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get, all I got. But the tax collector, Jesus says, is, is sitting way far back, way far back. And he's bent his head down and he's beating his chest and he's saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus goes on and he says, I tell you, this man rather than the other went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. That's out of Luke 18. That's actually what we said last week, right? We talked about humble, humility and pride. Pride comes before a fall, right? Comes, that's why you use your walkers. Pride comes before a, a fall. You know, I, I believe that both Jesus and, and Paul are saying really the same thing. When we judge another person, we're all too often patting ourselves on the back. We're congratulating ourselves like this Pharisee that we're not like the other person. We've determined not only do we know God's law, but we've also determined what side of the law we're on. That we're able to fulfill the law perfectly and the other person has, has come short. So the question today is my sermon title, Should We Judge? So let's go back to Matthew 7. Matthew 7 said, Jesus said, do not judge, so you will not be judged. Well, I took a look at the context, because I only want to see what the context is. And, and you know, later, 
In that same chapter, Jesus says this. He says, Give what is, uh, be careful of giving what is holy to the dogs. Don't cast your pearls before swine. And then in verse 15, Jesus says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravenous wolves. You'll know them by their fruits. So I'm thinking, oh, this is it. Isn't Jesus telling us to judge these people, right? He's telling us to judge these dogs, these, 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 these swine, these false prophets. He's telling us right there to judge it. Isn't what he's saying? Well, he doesn't say that. He says, beware. Be careful. Be cautious. He's not saying us to judge. The, the word, there's a Latin word called be circumspect. Okay, which is a fancy $25 word. It's nice to use. But it just means be cautious. Be careful. Be careful. You know, we as loving parents... We often tell our children, right, don't talk to strangers, right? Don't talk to strangers. Now, when we tell our child, don't talk to strangers, are we telling them that all strangers are inferior, immoral, sinful, depraved, or wicked? No. What are we telling them? Be careful. Be cautious. If you see a stranger, you don't know what they're coming from, just be cautious. We're not telling them to judge. We're telling them to be cautious. So we still have this question. We still have this question. Should we judge? That's still the question. And so far, I'm coming up with no. I don't know about you, but I think the score so far is three no's to no goods. So let's revisit verse 11. We hit verse 12 a minute ago. Let's look at verse 11. Verse 11 says, do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge. So James is telling us, be careful of what we say. James said that earlier, right? Be careful of your tongue, what your tongue has to say. Be careful of what we speak. Now, I love this verse because other verses say, do not slander one another. But we understand that. We know what slander is. Slander is damaging a person. It's like gossip. It's whether it's good or bad, doesn't matter. If you're talking about something that's unnecessary, it's gossip. And when you damage somebody else's reputation because of that, it's, it's slander. It's a sin. It's actually a crime in the United States as well, in all 50 states. So you've heard the saying, sometimes you act as judge, jury, and executioner. And see, I think that's what James is telling us because when we judge them culpable, when we judge them guilty of a crime against God, we are acting both as judge but also the executioner. The same verse that Pat read earlier, right? About the judgment seat of Christ and the bema seat, the uh, judgment, the, uh, the great white throne judgment. So I kept on looking. I kept, David knows, he's my Bible study. Uh, David Cash knows that I'm always looking for a loophole. Are you like that? I'm always looking. I see something that's really hard, so I keep looking through the Bible for a loophole. I'm looking for a loophole because I know that I'm guilty often uh, of judging. So I kept looking for something, and I finally found it. Okay? So you can make note of this verse. It says, uh, verse, this is verse uh, 5 of 2 Corinthians. It says, examine yourself as to whether you're in the faith. Test yourself. And other uh, translation says, judge yourself. Put yourself to the test. <laughs> oh, okay, so we found it, right? We found we can judge. And who are we to judge? We're to judge ourselves. So this is kind of like looking in the mirror and determining what kind of person we really are, right? It's making sure that your hair is fixed up, right? Make sure that you're looking right. We want to know who we are. 
Uh, Paul says, examine yourself to see whether you're in the faith. And after that, it says, lest you come up short. Lest you come up short. You know, King David, uh, the author of Psalm 139, was familiar with self-examination. Um, David had the fall with Bathsheba, and David was, it said, was a man after God's own heart. And, and he wrote this. You're probably familiar with these verses. He said, search me, God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive, offensive way in me and lead me into the way everlasting. That's Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. You see, this question, should we judge, we can put a yes here. We can, we can judge ourselves. King David is saying, allow God to, to search your heart. And why is that? So God can correct your faults. You can repent, repent quickly. Understand that you come up short with a standard that God has set. If we know the moral law, we know when we ourselves fail. And when we fail, we ask God for forgiveness. He's always ready to forgive us through Christ Jesus, and we, we move on. So we see that the answer to the question, should we judge, depends on who we are judging. So as you know, I try to have a summary whenever possible. And how many, how many things do I have in my summary? Three, right? We have three things in my summary. So this is what we're going to say. My summary says this. Number one, judge no man or woman unless you're specifically been included in a formal disciplinary hearing. Okay? And that's important because there's been people that said, I want to be excused from the jury trial because the Bible says do not judge, right? It's an easy way out, right? No. You're in a formal disciplinary hearing. Many of you have served in a position of authority, a supervisor, a manager, or maybe you were part of a, a church where you served as an elder or a deacon. And sometimes there's a discipline that's required. And you're a part of an official group of people that have to gather together like a jury for a judge. You're, you have to gather together, maybe even individually, and you have to render judgment. But you're in a specific position that you have to do that. You're put in a position to judge. Did he pass the test? Yes or no? <laughs> Did he, does he get an A or does he get an F? Does the employee get to continue even though they've showed up late for work five out of the last five days? So we can judge. Judge no man or woman unless you have specifically been included in a formal disciplinary hearing. Part number two, <clears throat> be wary, be cautious. Be careful of others whose actions appear to not be in keeping with God's moral code. We can judge the code. We can understand the code. We can say, I don't think they're following the code. I think that's what the code has to say. I wouldn't have done it that way. I don't think God wants you to do it that way. But we're not judging the person. We're being very cautious. We don't judge their attitudes. We don't judge their relationship with God or whether God's going to forgive them. Maybe they've, like the tax collector, they've already repented. So we don't judge them. Just be cautious of that moral code. And when we recognize that violation of the moral code, it just says be careful. Be careful. Number three, always, always judge our own attitudes, our intentions, and sinful actions so that we may be able to repent, learn, and grow. See, allow God. That's what David says. God, search me. Let me know if there's anything in my life that needs to be corrected. Is there any sin hidden in me that I might not even know about? I tell people, you know, 
One of the things that people often say is when you come to Christ, you have to have, you have to basically confess all your sins, right? You've heard that before? You come to Christ, you confess all your sins before Christ, he forgives them, it's a one-time shot, you get them all forgiven, and you're good, right? Well, the th problem is, is if you're coming to Christ, you don't even know what sin is. I mean, you might know you're sinful, but you don't know the breadth of your sins. You don't know the depth of your depravity. I tell you, I came to Christ when I was 24, 25 years old. At 35, I was still learning about sins that I had done that I didn't even realize were sins. It was like, oh my goodness, I, I, that was me. I used to do exactly the same thing. I'm still working, by the way, on judging. I mean, I'm there with the rest of them. I, I'm still working on this. It's so easy to even give the sermon, to write this down, and then see something on TV and immediately say, that charlatan, that guilty person, you know? How horrible is it? How, this person needs to go to jail. They need to, throw, they need to throw away the key, right? And I haven't been picked to be on the jury. I don't have all the information. I've got a seven-second clip on TV. That's all I know is a seven-second clip. So we continue to try to refine ourselves. We constantly look in the mirror and ask God, search me, God. Is there something inside me that I still need to clean up? I want to be able to repent of that so that I can get closer to God and move on to, to greater things. Amen and amen, right? So in answer to the question, <laughs> should we judge? We'd say two no's and a yes, right? It <laughs> depends on, on who we judge. If we're judging ourselves, that's, that's a good thing. Let's go ahead and pray. So Father God, we want to thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. You've been listening to Faith Dialogue with Pastor Ken Baer, recorded live at Celebrate Seniors, a ministry of Faith Dialogue. You can listen to or watch all of the recordings at Faith Dialogue by going to www.faithdialogue.org.